the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. JKL Engineering, call them today, 401-351-7600, 401-351-7600 for JKL Engineering. This time of year, the temperature, it's getting chilly, it's getting cold. When are you going to first put on your heat? Call JKL Engineering, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Remember, estimates are free, financing is available for both residential and commercial Hey, face it, whether we like it or not, the heating season is here. Let J.K. Engineering design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system. Energy efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you're saying no gas, guess what? No problem. Let J.K. Engineering design and install high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL, licensed Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years, JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL, an approved National Grid VPI installer. They're also a Navient certified factory dealer. Call JKL today for system replacement, oil to gas, or for heat pump. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering at 401-351-7600. I'll give you that number again, 401-351-7600. JKL, they'll keep you cool in the summertime, warm in the wintertime. Estimates are free, financing is available, and the highest rebates on the market. Call JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. Well, good morning, everyone. It's John DePietro, AM 1380. <coughs> Excuse me. My goodness, 99.9 FM, and you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. My goodness, it is a rainy Thursday. Today is, in fact, October 29th, all day. And you're listening to the John DePietro Show. And this portion of the program, folks, is brought to you by Rhode Island's number one garden center. Hey, listen, it's a rainy day. You know what that means? It means a good day. Take a ride and see my friends at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, where they have corn stalks and straw. And they have the best pumpkins. I shared their Facebook page. They're so huge and fantastic. Carving pumpkins, sugar pumpkins, gourds. You know what else they have at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center located? 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. They have beautiful fall arrangements and crafts. Stop in and see them. It's Debbie and Steve and Junior and Byron. And again, look for them also, as I said, on Facebook. It's PR Materials. PR Materials and also their website is prmaterials.shop. Stop in and see them. They have a great selection. Folks, support local business. Shop local and see my friends at Rhode Island's number one garden center. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. So, Today is Thursday, all day. And then tomorrow, Governor Raimondo is going to have another press briefing. Now, I want to be very clear as someone that's been there and covering it. I know people are hearing that because of the numbers that restrictions are going to be put in. However, folks, no need to panic. Governor Raimondo, she said something very important yesterday that I don't know if went out enough to the media. But this is a governor, folks, she is advocating for she wants the children in the schools. 
And by the way, keep in mind that, you know, if Biden was the vice president, uh, excuse me, Vice President Biden takes over, he he doesn't want anybody in the schools. But she's advocating for that. She also doesn't want to do anything to hurt business. So I think the governor, um, something needs to be done. She's concerned that if we stay on this path, we're in a second wave now. That, in fact, it's all about the hospitals overflowing. I also want to, amend, again, mention, I don't think enough of this is, is explained by the media because all you hear is like, boom, 50 people at URI, test positive, like that. And, of course, they're showing no symptoms. It's all about hospitalizations. And what we know, know right now is, and this is a good thing, um, the hospitals are not overflowing. I thought Governor Armando did a good job in breaking out uh, exactly where we are and then we, where we'd be at. I think she said around 140, 150 COVID patients in the hospital. We can handle at least 300 or 600. I think it's something like that. And then if 600, then they'd have to go to the extra hospital unit that they have set up in Cranston, but they want to avoid that. But I think what she's saying is within the numbers. And this, by the way, I was asking about this back in the spring. And the governor said, well, Rhode Island's too small, but they're kind of coming around. Massachusetts has been doing this. This is important. And that is you don't treat every community the same. In Massachusetts, they have different color codes. For instance, now, the communities that need to be concerned that, for instance, maybe you'd only put provisions in these communities, such as the highest one, and folks, it's been the highest all along, is Central Falls, 10.8%. Pawtucket, number two, 8.2%. I'm not, this one surprises me. West Greenwich, 7.5%. That leads me to believe West Greenwich is not a huge community, but it leads me to believe that there was some kind of an outbreak there. Cranston, 7%. A big part of that is because they border the, uh, it's the sections that border Providence. Narragansett, 7%. That's URI. Now, Johnston is about 7%. That's because of some of the nursing homes they have in Johnston. Gloucester, 6.5%, North Providence, 6.5% because of the number of the nursing homes in North Providence. And then West Warwick is just under 6%. My point is, I think Governor Armando is going to set up certain provisions. For instance, you know, I've been calling for this for a long time. The fact that Central Falls is almost at 11% and Pawtucket is almost at, uh, is over 8%. I mean, that, that makes a, a huge difference. So perhaps there's going to be certain restrictions put into those. Be very clear. That doesn't affect Cumberland. It doesn't affect Lincoln. It doesn't affect Smithfield, Woonsocket. What I think is good, folks, and I give credit where credit is due. The governor is now breaking off. You could say, argue she could have done this a while ago, but they're breaking off. There's no reason to punish everyone just because a few communities are spiking. And then you focus on those communities. And I think the governor also said, Governor Mother said something yesterday that was very important. And that is just because, for instance, she said, I think she mentioned Providence is saying they have an outbreak and they want to shut the school because there was an outbreak in, I think she said Cumberland, and they, they completely shut everything down. And the governor's saying that I'm not, I don't think that was the right move. You don't, you don't shut everything down. You just quarantine a few people. So, or whoever's involved, you don't need to then go across the board anymore. We don't do that. My point is, this is the biggest thing. This is the takeaway. What Governor Raimondo was saying is, let's let's focus 
on just certain areas where there's a problem and put more restrictions in those areas and kind of corner them off and focus on our efforts on that as opposed to i don't think again we're going to have everyone across the board treated the same and that's positive that is positive now folks again uh obviously election day it is counting down i don't know what to think at this point other than there's a lot of people voting people are asking me every day regular listeners like yourself and again you can visit the website depetro.com the amount of voting that that is going on right now is um you know I, it was never designed this way it's supposed to be election day and instead all this early voting um you know florida is once again re- 78 million people have already voted folks i i'm pretty sure i mean that's that's so far ahead of where we were and and if everyone in the trump camp is waiting until election day i don't like the idea of that i think that was a bad strategy to tell people no wait vote in the polls it's it's going to be problematic on election day um if there's early voting there's early voting i don't i don't know if there's anything you can do to stop that but when people are asking me i i get worried at just i mean think about that 78 million people have already voted 78 million people have already voted. Uh, What does that mean for how many people uh, are are actually going to end up being the one, you know, being the the winner? Or, you know, most of the time, as you can imagine, when when you think about just how many people voted last time, you know, President Trump... For crying out loud, I mean, he he got 62 million votes. Hillary got 65 million votes, and we're already saying 78 million people have already voted. That's that's a little over 120 million, right? 127, 78. How many people are voting here? I don't like the idea of that. I don't like that we can't control it. Uh, I'm very concerned with what this election total is going to be. I know that, but on the other hand, there's a lot of people that whatever reason didn't get out they didn't get the message they didn't vote for president trump last time but we certainly need them out at the polls this time around i'll tell you that much folks this portion of the john DePietro show don't forget our friends at henry oil the original the best call them today 401-521-0200 serving most of rhode island and southeastern mass automatic delivery budget plans service contracts lock and cap pricing henry oil 401-521-0200 and online at henryoil.com Call them today. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential, commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable and affordable. It's Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass and online at henryoil.com. Folks, it's John DePietro, a lot more ahead. We're going to talk with attorney Tim Dodd, our legal expert. Break everything down. Did you see... The guests that that Tucker Carlson had on, you did? Well, Attorney Tim Dodd's going to break it down for you, all coming up right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508 336 7801. Maybe if you need workers, 
Maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. F-H-W-A inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24-hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. You're listening to the John W. Joe Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11 and we go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining me, he is uh, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. He is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to start off with, uh, boy, it's not every day that you have lawyers arrested, but two Rhode Island lawyers were arrested during some of these province protests. One, actually, I was right there at the scene uh, in Cranston, but... Um, from what I understand, it's uh, and you're going to tell us, obviously, but I, I believe it's different that if you're an attorney, you get arrested, get arrested. You, you're supposed to inform people of this because it, it can affect your standing as an attorney. Yes. Anytime an attorney is arrested, um, your your obligation is to inform the Rhode Island Disciplinary Council of that fact. Um under normal circumstances, the disciplinary council will simply monitor the criminal case and no action would be taken until the conclusion of the case um, to determine whether you know, any period of um, suspension or censure or um, private ad- admonition or public admonition is appropriate depending on the circumstances. Obviously, if these attorneys took their case to trial and were found not guilty, well, there's really nothing for the um, disciplinary counsel to do. Um, If there's a plea bargain of some sort, well, that would have to be looked at. If the prosecution drops the cases, obviously that takes care of it. There are circumstances where if an attorney is alleged to have, let's say, stolen money from a closing or stolen money from a client from a personal injury settlement, that might result in disciplinary counsel ordering an immediate suspension 
of that lawyer's right to practice pending a further investigation. But with something like this, where the charges are disorderly conduct and resisting arrest, um, that typically would not um, stop the attorney's ability to practice um, pending the outcome of the criminal case. Because again, we're all presumed um, innocent and full proof guilty, and that includes lawyers. Um, full disclosure for all of our listeners, I was on the scene when uh, Attorney Scherner, Shana Curlin, was uh, arrested, and the police actually listed me. Uh, folks, it's on the website, petro.com. They, they actually listed my footage. I was doing the Facebook Live right there uh, on Elmwood Avenue, and so it, it is listed in the police report. Tim, so normally something like this, um, you're right. As I think of it, attorneys, where they're involved with embezzlement or various things like that, they perhaps could get disbarred. But um, what, what type of discipline could someone, uh, these two particular people, could they be facing, if any? Let's assume that they take a period of probation as a plea bargain. Um, that's not a conviction in the state of Rhode Island. That would likely not result in disciplinary counsel doing anything. Um, okay. If they went to trial and were found guilty, um, even after trial, a judge might see fit to um, order like a period of probation. Um, okay. It would have to be something very serious to result in um, having a period of their license to practice being suspended or disbarred. This is not a disbarment type situation. Uh, it's not a suspension type situation. Um, typically consequences are real bad for lawyers if they do something in terms of uh, misappropriating funds, um, abusing client trust in a manner that results in financial harm to a client. That's usually when the, um, remedy from disciplinary counsel is much more severe. Uh, as you can imagine, unfortunately, there are cases from time to time where you could be an attorney and you could get jammed up on a drunk driving charge. That's a criminal charge. The refusal right. would be civil. Um, that doesn't result in an attorney losing their license to practice, um, you know, unless there was something far more serious like a car accident or personal injuries resulting. But there's a lot of low level, if you will, not that DUI is low level, that's, that's a bad analogy, but a disorderly or a resisting or, you know, a misdemeanor assault would be considered low level type criminal activity, which typically would not adversely affect your license to practice. DUIs, with, DUIs with personal injuries or death resulting or something like that would be far more dramatic. Folks, we're speaking with attorney Tim Dodner. Tim, on uh, Monday, more police body cams regarding the Jamal Gonzalez crash were released. Um, still doesn't seem seem to have a definitive answer on whether or not that cruiser hit the, the, the scooter, the motorcycle, whatever we're calling it. But um, what I, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on these new videos that were released. Well, you're right, John. They're not conclusive. Um, I think the fact that the uh, Providence Police Department is getting this uh, video evidence out there promptly, um, attempting, appear it appears anyways, to have full disclosure. Look, here's the body cam footage that we've got. Here it is. It doesn't seem to really show any point of contact between the cruiser and the moped. And that's what everyone's looking for. Absent any video evidence and who knows something might still come forward but as we sit here today with nothing definitive then it becomes a question of getting um, 
a statement from the officer who was operating the cruiser, and it gets into the um, issue of having a competent accident reconstructionist um, look at the physical evidences, the damage to the vehicle, damage to the cruiser, damage to the stop sign, any marks that might be on the pavement or on any curbs or any other physical evidence. Um, typically, you might look to see if there's any debris field. If the cruiser hit the rear of that uh, moped, did it have any, you know, brake light or any other light which could have been broken, um, which would have suggested uh, a point of impact? All of that has to be looked at by competent accident reconstructionists. Uh, if you get a good one, they can do remarkable things to deduce what happened based upon all the physical evidence, both of the vehicles and of the crash scene, marks in the road, skid marks, and, and other things. Now, Tim, also uh, on the, at the scene, police administered Narcan, and you hear the police talking, and, and I was actually kind of su surprised. That I thought response time was less than two and a half minutes. The, the rescue it was somewhat chaotic and it took over five minutes. And even I was kind of like yelling at the video, like move the moped. And then, you know, the, you know, what street and like a little bit of, obviously it was a chaotic thing, but what about potential liability that they gave him uh, Narcan? You can hear him. And again, folks, we haven't seen the videos. They're on the website, Petro.com, but he's making a, a disturbing sound and, and they're just unsure of why he's in this physical condition. And a number of the officers say he hit the stop sign almost definitively in that in that manner but um what about potential liability for for police on this you'd have to show that the police acted in an irresponsible and grossly negligent manner certainly they're not emts they're waiting for the medical people to arrive i did hear some of the officers warning other officers be careful, don't move him, he's got a head injury. That was said right. over and over because yeah. sometimes you can do more harm than good if you take someone right. with a head and neck injury and you move them. If there's a spinal issue, you can make it worse. You know, There's a number of things that can happen. So you gotta be really careful. Now, if they thought that Narcan was necessary and it was reasonable um, and they weren't doing it in a reckless manner, um, or had no reasonable basis to think that that would have been necessary, that could be actionable. But there's also um, issues where if, you know, it's an emergency response, um, there's a lot of liability exclusions for, um, it's called the firefighters rule. So if firemen or um, police are acting in an emergency situation, uh, many times it's really difficult to assess liability against their conduct based upon split-second decisions made. Um, it's a little different when they start, you know, their shots fired in a uh, situation with um, people who are acting up, um, as we've seen in a number of cases. But I think it would be hard to pin liability on the cops um, who were doing what they thought was appropriate, recognizing the seriousness of this gentleman's injuries before the right. EMTs and fire and rescue showed up. Right. You know, that's a very good point. And, and I, it's not like they're standing there not doing anything. They're trying to figure out how they can help them. Tim, before we go to a break, I, I want to just play, and I'm hearing this from different people, a little bit of like devil's advocate. You have the attorney that's representing them and, 
family of the press conferences. And I'll tell you within the community, people, some people are saying, oh, big payday coming and everything else. You have someone from Middletown. He comes to Providence. He either someone has the bike for him or he stores him. It's unregistered. They are 300 bikes. They're riding around, taunting police. You see in the video, he's doing figure eights. He's given the table for one salute to the police. He's not complying. Police then start to give chase to him. He then seemingly, unless something changes, loses control, crashes in. Uh, how would the city be be held accountable and liable um, based on if, if it turns out like that? Someone, now again, it's not a perfect analogy, was saying, you know, if I go somewhere and I rob a bank and then the police chase me and then I crash, can I sue the police for chasing me after? He, he wasn't committing a major crime, but... He wasn't exactly just minding his own business going along. But any any thoughts on that, Tim Dodd? Well, is there a potential for a big payday? Sure. Would the public perception be that that's coming down the pike? Could be. Uh, look at situa- the case that kind of started these big payouts was Freddie Gray in Baltimore, where the right. city, before anything happened, paid the family, I don't know, like $6 million. Fast forward, the cops off the trial. Um, they were all found either not guilty or the state wound up dismissing the charges. So that payday was probably premature. Now, those cops were found not guilty of the criminal conduct, but that's the, that's the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. Um, the city and those officers could have still been sued for negligence, just like OJ was found not guilty on the criminal end. He was found responsible on the civil end and assessed uh, damages. So even if there's no criminal responsibility by any of the uh, police officers in the city of Providence, an argument could be made that giving chase in the manner that was uh, certainly seen on the video could be seen as negligent and be seen as the precipitating event which led to this guy losing control. It would be a stretch, but um, you know, any attorney worth assault would take that case right now because there is a potential yeah. for a large um, monetary payout. Um, um, Jamal Gonzalez is certainly enduring a lot of pain and suffering right now. We don't know if he's ever going to recover. He could be left with permanent problems. And if there is any liability, um, candidly, as a lawyer, that becomes a case that has a lot of value. Folks, quick break. Uh, We're going to talk about the special guest that Tucker Carlson had in a lot more right here with attorney Tim Dodd on the John DePietro Show. This is the perfect time of year. If you're going to have any paving done around your home, really improve the look of it. Well, you want to call J. Perry Paving, letter J, J. Perry Paving today at 732-1730, 732-1730. You can find them online, letter J, J. Perry Paving.com. They're also on Facebook. J. Perry Paving, residential, commercial, seal coating, patios. What a difference it makes how aesthetically pleasing it is. Folks, invest in your home, invest in your property, your business. J. Perry Paving, provide high quality, fear pricing, exceptional service. Hey, they'll offer a free estimate, any project. What a difference it makes. You could have a beautiful home, but if you have a cracked driveway or some different cracks or just maybe it hasn't been done in a while, call J. Perry Paving today. This is also a great time of year to have that patio done. Seal coating, residential, commercial, 
J. Perry Paving. Call them 401-732-1730. They're the best. 732-1730. It's incredible. Asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new project or maybe it's just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing, looks beautiful. Hey, and the snow melts right off it. J. Perry Paving. Call them for a free quote. Maybe just thinking about it. This is the perfect time. Have that driveway done, patio done. J. Perry Paving. Call them 732-1730-401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Look for them online at J, letter J, jperrypaving.com, and also on Facebook. Attention business owners. In today's world, customers judge you by your website. And for most people, their first introduction to your business or company is your website. Karen Etchells at InnoVast is here to help. Give her a call at 401-321-2799. Hey, now it's 2020. You got to freshen up that old website design that Al Gore invented. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVast Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Ever in an accident, someone hits your vehicle, it's damaged in some way, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, Call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 401-272-3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. We're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, Tucker Carlson, who right now has the most popular show cable news actually on cable um a lot of people <laughs> are wondering excuse me why his guest did not get more play on this than mainstream media but he had on someone made a very compelling case uh regarding some of these business dealings with hunter biden and uh, former vice president joe biden and i thought who better to break it down for us a little bit than attorney Tim? I, I i watched it i was very interested to see what the gentleman had to say i think his name is babalinski but i can never pronounce it i don't think exactly right i think that who, that's who right, was yeah. in, in um a business um situation with um um hunter biden 
and the trajectory of their involvement and the emails and the correspondence all indicated through things said by Hunter Biden that um, of the monies that he was receiving, his percentage, he had to kick some upstairs to the big, alternately the big guy, or he also called him my chairman. Now, it's unclear who was meant by that. The supposition is that the big guy or my chairman referred to Joe Biden. And a lot of um, um, news sources have um, looked closely at the language of denial used by Joe Biden during the presidential debate, where he said emphatically, I've not received any money from any foreign government ever. Well, the follow-up would have been, did you receive any money through the back door from either your brother Jim or your son Hunter? That question was never asked. The media has not asked it. I don't know if there's, you know, it's a, there's smoke here, but we don't know if there's fire. Um, it's not a legal issue, but from a from a just looking at the news, um, it's unfortunate that the media is not more even-handed in investigating um, alleged either corrupt or criminal or at least inappropriate conduct by folks who are on the Republican side of life and folks who are on the Democrat side of life. There seems to be no interest in this. If it's true, and that's a big F, it would be certainly unethical conduct. Um, there could be criminal conduct. I mean, if it's true, then Hunter could seem to be um, just laundering money and passing it through allegedly to either Uncle Jim or to Father Joe and doing it in such a way that it's not reported uh, there are reporting requirements when you're involved in this type of um, international um, uh, business transactions. If it's true, um, at the time that Joe Biden was the sitting vice president, there are certainly ethical issues that are raised. If it's true, it certainly raises issues as to the ability of a Biden administration to deal forcefully with um, China if he's been compromised or if China has information that they could um, reveal at any time, which would expose um, Joe Biden. During the last election cycle, the, the operating theory was, do the Russians have something on Trump that they're blackmailing him? I guess if it's true, and maybe it's not, maybe it is, uh, you could say, well, do the Chinese have something they could use to blackmail Joe Biden? If it's true, it seems to me there could be a forensic investigation looking at money that came into um Hunter Biden, and this trace where the money may have gone out to. Um, if he got all this money, it's either in his bank account or he's got to show where he spent it. But there seems to be little um, uh, appetite by the investigative journalists out there to look into this, which is disappointing. But it does seem that this guy, um, Babalinsky, has emails, he's got texts, his story seemed to make sense. Um, the brother, uh, Jim, used the legal term that, you know, how can you guys do this? Brother Jim says, well, there's the notion of plausible deniability, which is the legal standard. And if true, that's what uh, the Biden family has been doing for years. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it merits a further investigation because if it's true, 
there's ethical at the very minimum and possibly criminal um, um, exposure here for either Hunter or for other folks in the Biden family for at least money laundering, if not more, if true. Mm. Yeah. Would you, but Tim, did you find him credible? The story hung together. And when he would show his text messages, et cetera, it seemed to all hang together. Um, I guess all of this comes off this mysterious laptop, which was left in some repair shop in Delaware. The way it was found is, I mean, apparently the FBI knows about it. Somehow it gets to Rudy Giuliani and it gets to the New York Post. But why not simply go to Hunter Biden's house and say, hey, Hunter, is that your signature on the receipt for leaving your laptop at this repair shop? Yes or no? I mean, there's so elementary questions um, that would reveal the truth of this. But certainly, you know, from a political standpoint, the Biden campaign is hunkered down. They're not answering questions. Uh, The media doesn't seem very motivated to ask any questions. So they're trying to basically just wait out to the the story until it goes away without adding fuel to the fire. So I guess from a political standpoint, that's the smart thing to do. But I don't see people camped out at uh, all the Biden family homes asking questions. I think one reporter was outside of Jim Biden's house trying to ask questions. And Jim Biden basically rudely blew him off and walked into his house and was seemed to be unfazed by it. He wasn't, he wasn't rattled. Um, he wasn't concerned. He didn't take the bait and start answering specific fact questions. He just said, I have nothing to say to you people. And the media said, oh, okay, and left it at that. It's astonishing. It would never happen if this was something uh, perhaps just by way of analogy, if, if uh, Donald Trump was involved with it. I think that there'd be a feeding frenzy. It wouldn't just take a, take the answer right. as being, no, I'm not talking to you, and say, all right, I guess that's the end of that story. Folks, a, a quick break. A lot more with attorney Tim Dodd, a legal expert, right here on the John DePietro Show. You want to stay as healthy as you possibly can. And one of the ways you can do that is if you stop in and see my friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305 3585, 305-3585. Stop in at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. I'll bet you've driven past that old church many different times. Now is your chance to stop in. And what are you going to find? Well, Marie is so incredible. It's My Health. It helps you with your health, your family's health. Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products, like a kai berry, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. At It's My Health at 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, you're going to find over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. And folks, Marie is so knowledgeable. These are all natural ingredients you want to put when you're uh, put involved as ingredients when you're cooking and it's so healthy for you and your family, plus hemp and CBD products. For oral and topical use, they have vitamins for children. They're going to keep you healthy. It's my health. Stop it and see Marie. Pop by 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305-3585. What an incredible store, incredible selection. She is so knowledgeable. Just pop in, swing in. It's my health. 
1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. What's the point of having an appliance if it doesn't work properly? Or maybe you have problems with it. I'll tell you what you should do. As I like to say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 7096. Easy to remember. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 7096. I've used Ryan on several occasions, whether it's for your washing machine or maybe your dryer or the refrigerator or your stove or oven or microwave, any appliance. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, 401-710-7096. I was having a problem with our, our clothes dryer. What would happen? It wouldn't turn on. No way they were going to dry the clothes. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair. He fixed that in about five minutes. Then the oven wouldn't heat up. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. He fixed, the, he fixed the, the oven in about five minutes. Folks, call them. All work is guaranteed for 90 days parts and labor senior citizens discounts are available and saturday appointments are available come on call ryan's appliance repair 401-710-7096 we're speaking with attorney tim dot tim uh the news regarding the st louis uh, gun dependence the st louis gun couple uh there is some news on that obviously made news they stood outside the wife, I believe, had a nine millimeter that she did point at protesters or people that broken through the gate. And then the husband just stood there outside of their uh, beautiful St. Louis mansion with a AR-15. And there, there is some uh, some developments on this case. It's interesting. The um, defendants, the, uh, through their legal counsel, have moved to have Kim Gardner, the DA for this um, St. Louis jurisdiction, removed from prosecuting the case. The contention being that this is a political prosecution, that it's not a good faith prosecution. And because um, Kim Gardner is elected to that position and running for re-election, she is sending out fundraising mailers specific, specifically addressing this case. So to use a case that she's actively prosecuting and to hold these people out as um, a prosecution for which people should give Kim Gardner money um, seems to be a completely inappropriate uh, crossing of the line between political activities and prosecutorial activities. Um, I don't think the judge who's handling this case is likely to make a decision until at least after the election. And candidly, I don't think the, the court will um, insist that Kim Gardner be removed from the case, but it certainly will have an impact um, pre-trial on any potential jury pool, and it will have an impact on you know, the public perception of this case. In certain quarters, I'm sure it will be seen that this is a totally political prosecution and that Kim Gardner 
is acting unethically and using a case that she's supposed to be just prosecuting as a representative of the city um, to raise money. It seems a clear crossing of the lines. I'm not familiar with exactly the law in Missouri as to what is and is not permissible, but it just has a bad odor to it, the way she's utilizing this case to raise money. Uh, Tim Dodd, we are still awaiting the Judge uh, Procassini in the Brick trial. Now, it should happen sometime over the next several weeks. And as you, I think, and we had talked about, you accurately broke it down. This really seems to come down to interpretation of money laundering. Yes, the money laundering statute as it currently exists has never been utilized in the way it's being utilized for this Brit prosecution. And it kind of comes down to a punctuation mark within the statute. And if your listeners were to um, look up the statute, all they, gotta, all they have to do is Google RIGL 11-9.1-15. That's the money laundering statute. You don't have to go to the law library. You just Google it. That's the uh, statute number, and it prints it right out for you. And it says, whoever conducts or attempts to conduct a financial transaction, colon, and then there's a subsection, number one, with intent to promote or carry on a specific unlawful activity. And um, then you go down to sub three, which is with the intent to avoid a transaction reporting requirement under state law. So that's kind of what this is. Um, and or number four is knowing that the transaction is intended to conceal or disguise the nature, the location, the source, the ownership of the uh, funds uh, resulting in the unlawful activity. You can look at those and look at the facts of the Brit case and see that um, those subsections would satisfy um, the elements of this particular crime. I think that the defense argument trying to parse punctuation will not be successful because the statute is written in the alternative. So different activity can satisfy the statutory requirements because after each subsection, it says, or. So it says subsection one, or, and then it goes to subsection two, or subsection three. If it said, and, there'd be a problem because you'd have to prove each and every one of the subsections would be um, necessary to prove to have to find guilt. But I think the statute as written, if you read the clear language, is readily understandable. It's not vague. Um, it's not the greatest piece of uh, statute writing, but I think it's clear on its face. But... Um, you know, Bob Carinti and his defense team, um, I'm sure, will look to other statutory situations where a statute has been knocked out based upon punctuation um, ambiguities and attempt to analogize this statute to other cases where statutes have been knocked out as being unconstitutional. But I do think he's got an uphill climb on this one. Now, uh, we'd be remiss if we did not mention that Election Day, obviously, coming up on Tuesday. And Tim Dodd, um, and this is something uh, I know we, we've kind of talked a little bit off the air, but what would happen? 
kind of interesting. What happens if there's no electoral college winner on Tuesday after the election? The Constitution specifically addresses the situation. And in fact, no electoral college winner has happened on a couple of occasions. The the most memorable was with um, the um, ultimate election of John Quincy Adams. So that goes back a long, long time. But what happens is the electoral college is obligated to meet. The electors meet um, on or before December 14th. So by December 14th, the electors have to meet. And if a candidate gets more 270 of the electoral votes, that individual becomes president. There could be a tie. There could mathematically be a tie. Or if so many states are still counting paper ballots and if there are legal challenges and if no, no elector can be um, identified from a state because it's uncertain who the winner is, and again, that's only, what, six or seven weeks after the election, if yep. there's an insufficient number of electors, let's assume 10 states haven't figured out who won that state and they can't send their electors to the electoral college and mathematically no one could get to 270 then what happens is the new Congress, the new Congress sworn in on January 2nd, they have the obligation of attempting to select the president and the vice president. The House would attempt to select the president from the top three vote getters. So it might be Trump and Biden and maybe the libertarian candidate or maybe the Green Party candidate, but you pick from the top three. Each state gets one vote, and the winner has to get 26 um, votes. So California, which has like 46 Congress people, gets one vote. Rhode Island, which has two Congress people, gets one vote. So that was part of the Constitutional Convention, I believe, to try to figure out a way to um, equalize the balance between the big states and the small states. Now, if no one is, after multiple votes, can get to 26 um, state votes, then we look to whether or not a vice president can get selected. The vice president, John, is um, determined in the Senate, where each senator gets a vote. So you've got 100 potential votes. Top three vote getters um, go before, and if somebody gets... um, 51, that person is the vice president. So if you can't get a president out of the House, but you do get a vice presidential pick out of the um, Senate, that vice president becomes the acting president until such time as a president is selected. If the House and the Senate, neither can come up with a winner um, on or before uh, inauguration day, then the Speaker of the House becomes acting president and continues to so serve until the House can pick a winner or the Senate can pick a winner. Um, All of this could become very complicated if there are multiple challenges in different states and fights about who's the winner. As we're looking at this uh, upcoming election, it seems that many states could go either way by razor-thin margins, and you can almost predict that these close results will wind up in some court proceedings, challenging ballots, et cetera. The magic date is December 14th. If there's 
no electoral college winner, it's going to go to the new house and the new Senate. And the new house and the new Senate could be a much different configuration than what exists right now, which is why below the surface, there's hotly contested House and Senate races, which could have a huge impact on who wins. Let's assume 26 of the smallest states were to vote for Trump. I'm just in the yep. 24 largest states all voted for Biden. That would magnify the um, numerical um, lopsidedness. So you could have uh, Trump winning with all the smallest states with the smallest populations and the 24 states with the largest populations would be in an uproar. It's, it's a recipe potentially for chaos. And one would hope that all states report in their electors by December 14th, or it's going to be ugly. And an ugly, uncertain situation will have negative effects on our economy, on the stock market, and right down the line. Something tells me that's exactly so. what's going to happen. Folks, he is our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great Thanks, job. Stay care. safe, and we'll talk to you again. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokers for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies you can depend on on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300.